are starting into our episode three, which is called Don't Beat the Sheep. Um, and the topic is, is really about just the treatment of church people by church leaders. Um, and we are going to kind of break this up into a two-part episode. So this is part one, and uh, another episode will come either the next episode or at least within the next two episodes, uh, which is going to be called Don't Bite the Shepherd as basically a response to um, the sheep not responding uh, in anger towards the shepherds. Um, and I think that'll be an interesting little thing. But before we get really started, I just wanted to kind of throw some things out at you guys, just remind you that there is a blog out there, eagerfortruth.com. This is where our our, our podcast is hosted, but we also put out articles. Um, we also have a merch store, which is really cool. It's got hoodies, t-shirts for both men and women, and a coffee mug if you like coffee. Mm, I want a hoodie. And Robert wants a hoodie, and so do I. In fact, I'm probably going to be ordering those. Uh, but if you're interested in checking out the merch, you can go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash stores forward slash angry dash Christian dash podcast dash merch. Or to make it easier, you can just go to our Facebook page and you can probably find a link there because I'm sure that's going to be too long to remember. Um, and the Facebook page is Recovering Angry Christian. That is our... Uh, our Facebook moniker, if you will. And you can find us on Instagram. So we're all over social media. Uh, the cool thing is that on like through Instagram and Facebook, we're posting things like um, Bible verses that have to do with anger, peace, love, and just kind of challenging us through God's nice. Word about nice. how we ought to behave as Christians. Uh, so Bible verses are coming out. We're posting articles. Just yesterday, uh, Brian Baldwin posted an article. Um, actually, he posted it today. I apologize. Um, today is uh, October 3rd, and October 2nd, there was a ruling out of Texas um, about a police lady who had mistaken her neighbor's apartment for her own, and then she mistook oh, him for an intruder, shot and killed him. Oh, wow. And she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty intense. But uh, as a result, Brian posted something because something crazy went down in the courtroom. The brother of okay. the guy that was killed got up there. Now, it, it needs to be understood that this is a white cop and a black man that got shot. Uh oh um, not to try and stir up like race wars here, but as you can see that that probably would stir up, you know, quite a bit of emotion for some folks. Yeah. But here's what happened on, on October 2nd, the ruling went out and the brother of the guy that was shot and killed got up on the stand and actually talked about how he forgave her, that he loved her, that he didn't even wish she was going to prison for 10 years, and then he asked the judge, he said, can I go down and give her a hug? Wow. <laughs> that sounds like an angry Christian there. Right? <laughs> he did. He goes down. He gives her a hug. She's bawling her eyes out, and like all of a sudden, just the whole courtroom busts out in tears because they're like, what's going on? And then, to make things even more interesting, the judge, who is a black woman, comes down after the ruling, hands a Bible to the cop, reads a passage out of it, and Basically gives her a gospel presentation about how to get saved. Nice. In the courtroom? In the courtroom. Very good. Uh, the Freedom From Religion people have now filed a complaint against this court saying that she crossed the line by sharing the gospel with this girl who is now facing 10 years in prison. Mm. Um, so, so we have an unangry Christian <laughs> and an 
angry unchristian. We have an angry atheist group who's going after the compassionate, loving Christians who have actually displayed an unbelievable amount of compassion towards somebody who I feel they probably had a right to be angry with. Sure. You know, they this person unnecessarily murdered their family member, <laughs> you know, so not good. No, it's not a good thing. So, um, but I did want to, before we got really started, I have in the studio with me, which studio equals my bedroom. Um, in case anybody was curious what it's that nice looked studio. like, it's, it's a, nice a nice studio. It's soft. It's cushy. It's got a bed, Man. And a desk and a TV, yeah. um, but this is this is our <laughs> our studio. Um, but you've probably seen on our graphics this name Robert Platt, um, yeah, yeah, listed as one of the hosts. Uh, unfortunately, the last couple of episodes that we've done recordings have just we haven't been able to get everybody's schedules all lined up for recording. So this time, actually, all the other hosts weren't able to be here this time, but Robert was. So <laughs> that's how I roll. That's how he rolls. So I am introducing to you guys Robert Platt, um, co-host of the Angry Christian Podcast. So welcome, Robert Platt. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, so I, I was going to give you know the, the last few um, of the hosts actually. I didn't do Jonathan either, so I got to get him too. Um, But I did Michael and Brian. I did an interview kind of introducing them a little bit, um, kind of letting the audience know who these guys were, why they're on the show, um, you know, what their interests are, what they hope for the show. So so I'm going to ask some questions. Nothing too surprising here, but the first thing would be when and how did we meet? Uh, you want the truth or you want to, <laughs> no. uh, don't talk about that one. So we, I say we, the church that we were currently attending needed a, uh, worship pastor. And, uh, what was, what was the other guy? What was he? How did, how did y'all know each other? Uh, Noah Pruitt was my y'all were friends manager. Before, yeah. He was, he, he was my manager when I worked at the Daniel Island Park Club oh, in right. college so, uh, about, uh, Holy cow. What year was that? 2012. a long time ago. It was 2012. So he was my manager in 2004. Right. So eight years prior. So I was friends with Noah. Yeah. And he said, hey, uh, we know this guy. Uh, him and his wife know this guy that apparently they used to work with. And uh, we're going to go meet him. And so it just so happened that that day we were going to the beach and uh, way out in Edisto Island, a <laughs> uh, little hideaway place that we can't talk about. Nope, it is a Charleston secret you will never hear of. Yes. Uh, natural beach. Yep. And so everybody thinks that it's a natural beach, and I'm not sure that Brad had ever been there before. Um, nope, that was my first so time. So Noah and I were walking on the beach with our wives, and, and I see this, this shimmer in the, in the distance, and here comes Brad in his... Mankini on a white stallion. And, no, <laughs> no, we we met on a beach, and uh, which sounds romantic. It does. Think about it. No, palm trees uh, sway, crashing there's, there's, waves. There's dead trees in the water. That's what it was. There was there were no palm trees. No, there. they were all dead. But uh, we met on a beach, and uh, I guess that was that was the meeting. And then he ended up coming in, and um, I will say, like almost immediately. Uh, Almost immediately, uh, with a little bit of rub, like we we clicked pretty pretty good, yeah, um, and pretty quickly became friends. So, mm-hmm. 
Yep, and it was a year after that that I actually became the worship pastor at our church. It was a whole year? It was a whole year. Wow. Yeah, I met you guys on the beach, and then, um, yeah, a whole year later, Noah called me back and said, Hey, right. um, right. our, our current worship leader is getting married and moving to North Carolina, and so we're in the market for a new guy or girl. And um, are you interested? And I was actually at a church at the time. But I was like, well, if God's opening up some doors, I certainly want to explore those. Uh, so I said, sure, here's my resume. He gave my resume off to the pastor, and I think within two weeks? It wasn't long. Within two weeks, long. I had started, and uh, which was uh, a fun adventure at the beginning. So um, I do remember that, well, first of all, I grew up Southern Baptist. As did I. And so did Brad. So we had that connection. Um However, I had uh, ventured off into uh, other denominations or non-denominations. Non-denominational charismatic world. Yeah. So um, I got saved. I'm yeah. just teasing. I'm teasing. Um, Careful. We got Calvinists who listen to this right, podcast. No, no. They know I'm kidding then. Um, <laughs> but uh, Brad did the most Baptist thing I could, I could even think of and threw the entire worship team a spaghetti dinner. I did, you didn't I? That? I did. That was like the first week. I was like, "Hey, I want to introduce myself." And uh, Let's we have were spaghetti. We were trying our best to listen uh, to to your speech and what you were trying to give us some vision. <sighs> and uh, I couldn't help but notice the huge rat that ran across the top of the rafters. You remember I, that? I do remember the giant uh, rat. Yes. So we threw the entire meeting off just because of that. But uh, yeah. What's We're interesting, kind of testing you at the same you time. You did, you guys did test me <laughs> quite a bit, um, but it, I think it ended up well, and a lot of really um, great relationships were built there. What's also interesting is that um, within three months of me starting, Jonathan Hamlet, who's also a host on the podcast, hey Jonathan, moved to Charleston and joined the worship team as our first keyboard player. That's right. So the three of us have a connection. That ran for a few years as we played together. Yes. Uh, before Jonathan decided to abandon us and move back to North Carolina. Well, punk. It's such a far drive, like it is four hours. But it's it's not really that far. But it's no. only one state away. But yeah. But he he doesn't care about us anymore, four except for when we do hours. the podcast. And I'm sure he's going to be listening to this part. So much love, Jonathan and He'll probably Monica. Edit it out. No. <laughs> they now have two babies. Um, so Robert. Has four kids. Four, yes. And your oldest is? My oldest is about to turn 14. Oh, my. I know. I have a teenager in my house. Mine um, is turning 12, and uh, your next one's turning 12 Yeah, my in a week. Yeah, so I have three boys, uh, 14, then the next one's turning 12 uh, in October, and then Eli is, what, seven? Yeah. He's seven now. Yeah. And then we decided to have another one. I don't know what we were doing. Yeah, our last, your last two kids, and our last two kids, we had around, um, uh, not at the, at the exact time. same time, but close. Our wives were pregnant. Yes. Uh, at the same time for a while there. If there was a time that we didn't know our wives when they weren't pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what it was like to not have a pregnant wife for at least nine years. It seemed like. Right. Um, I, I know it doesn't last that long, but every no, three I, every three years we were popping out a baby, and I'm just like, this is getting old. We got to stop this. You say we, but it was her. That's true. So. <laughs> well, it takes two to tango. I think um, you, you may have looked like you were popping out a baby at some time. No. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. I've lost quite a bit of weight. I have, and if you uh, follow us on Facebook and uh, you want to see what my beautiful picture <laughs> looks like, you can find me there. Um, 
just uh, look me up and you will see my radical transformation. Yes. Anyway. Um, oh, I didn't say, I didn't say we had a daughter. Oh, yeah, he had a daughter. We finally have a little girl. And he'd been waiting for that one. Uh, yeah. I think God knew that we needed a girl to change it up a little bit. Definitely shook things up. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like going from three boys, then all of a sudden you got a little girl in the house, and it's like, everything we knew about parenting just went right out the window. It's amazing how the youngest runs the entire house. I don't, <laughs> I didn't get that until now. That's, so. that's my youngest, um, and he's three and a half. <laughs> oh, he is, he's a ball, a ball of blessing. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so we've known each other since 2012. He plays the drums. I play guitar. We were in the worship team together. We play well together. Yeah, we do. We had a, a weird psychic connection. I don't believe in psychics. No. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit thread. Yeah, there you go. There, there we go. go. We have a Holy there Spirit a, connection. There was a Holy Spirit connection where I could speak to him through my mind without actually saying anything, and he would know where I wanted to go in a song. He would give me odd... Movements, body movements or movements and winks and things weird like things. this and and it wasn't distracting to the rest of the church <laughs> i've seen some interestingly distracting um direction from worship right. leaders to yes. drums yes. uh but it worked out well and uh we had a great run there for a while and actually we started playing together again for a little bit um yeah and hopefully we're going to keep doing that his church he's he's at another church now i'm at another church now he plays on his worship team i'm playing my worship team neither of us are the worship leaders but we're getting together to do some jam sessions at his church um just to kind of get back in the swing of things of playing and who knows you may one day be buying our album off the shelf i'm sure there's going to be music i um, believe that because we've written music in the past and i don't See why we couldn't write music again in the future. No, I've been feeling that lately, so we, we can get back to that. I'm actually thinking about starting a band called Angry Christian. Oh, yeah? Is it a punk band? or like- No, it's um, it's actually going to be, we're all going to be dressed up like preppy little nerds, like with suits and ties on, ah. and I'm going to strap a megaphone to the microphone, and it's going to be heavy metal. So it's, it'll be kind of like Big Daddy Weave. Like, it's a cool name, but then you hear their music, and then it's yeah. like, oh. It's going to be like, oh, look, he's going to get them <laughs> preach, and then I start screaming at you. <laughs> I like Big Daddy Weave. <laughs> but uh, it's, you think it's going to be a different type of music, and then you hear their music, and it's like, oh, it's ah. still cool. So, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, we're not going to get into that. No. Uh, this different podcast. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. We're, we're, we will review Christian music on uh, another podcast. It's called CCM is... D-U-M. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. The views on this show are not no. <laughs> <laughs> are not supported by the podcast at large. Um, so, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, he um, and I reconnected over. Um, he'd left our church a couple years back. I did. We lost connection for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to reconnect in January through a hike yes. in the woods. Yes. Where I thought he was going to murder me and leave me in the woods. Yeah, I, I thought that you you thought that. I, I, I really did. I picked up that vibe. <laughs> I was like, so I invited him out. We hadn't spoken in a while. Yeah. And uh, I invited him out uh, for a hike in a remote part of Ravenel, South Carolina. Very remote. Uh, no no cameras, no nope. anything. Not even close to a main road. No bathrooms. No. So he was 
I feel he really <laughs> expected me to leave his body out there. Yeah, I, I messaged my wife and gave her my coordinates, <laughs> and I was like, if I don't come back, you know where I'm Turn at. Turn your location on. Yeah. Make sure. Yeah. You'll find me, I swear. I'm by the old oak tree. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was a good walk. It was really good to reconnect, and over the last uh, nine months now... Our families yeah. have been getting together and hanging out. We actually have another guest in the room. He's probably not going to talk, um, but we have, believe famous, it or not, by the way. we have a famous illusionist yeah. in the room. He's back there. He won't say anything. I could give you his name, but you might be beating down my door trying to get an autograph. Yes. Because he's that famous. We'll just say David Copperfield ain't got nothing on this guy. Or Chris Angel. And what's funny is he knows both. <laughs> um, I won't reveal his name unless he wants me to reveal his name. His name is Caleb Alexander. Yes. And uh, he actually was in Robert's youth group He was he when was he was a youth about, pastor. Yeah. Yes. And uh, during, long before that, though, Caleb's been doing uh, magic since he was what? How I think old were you? he's been like three. Three since, since he was three years old, and he uh, the one remember one memory I have, and and then we'll we'll move on um, out of the interview session. But oh, there's yeah. this memory I have where Robert and Caleb had built a um, a box to make people disappear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Caleb actually got invited to do a halftime show for the Harlem Globetrotters at the Charleston Coliseum. That's right. And he asked if I would be willing to let my daughter be his sidekick for the show. Did they ever find her? He didn't. He no, made her disappear. It was the weirdest thing. She disappeared, and that was the last we heard. Actually, no. It was a reverse trick. She actually appeared in the box. Mm. She didn't disappear. That's right. Um, but I don't know how many thousands of people were there, um, but... Um, I just want show. Caleb to know that that was probably one of the biggest memories that Riley yes. has in her life. She she went home and said, I'm a magician. And I was like, mm, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, but, awesome. yeah, she, she's never lived that one down. Uh, the Harlem Globetrotters gave her a signed basketball in behind the scenes. So, anyway, he, he's been doing shows out west, and he's come back to Charleston. And he's I think he's probably got some shows lined up coming up here. Yeah. He's um, hanging out. He's hanging he's out. Relaxing. He's chilling. That's it. Um, so he's just chilling in the background. He's not really a... Uh, Charleston's a great chill place. It is a great chill place. We've got beaches. We've got historic locations. We have a million restaurants you could choose from. No doubt. Um, of every nationality um, and even things for people who don't eat meat, which we just don't go there. Right. So, <laughs> hey, um, and if you're fun and enjoyable, you know, hit us up. We yeah. Can, uh, Show you around town. Good. Yeah, go to the Angry Christian Facebook page. I'm just going to keep hitting that until you guys find it and follow us. Um, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to, uh, definitely, we are not above hanging out with our loyal and devoted fans. Right. Um, whoever you may be. <laughs> it probably is just our wives. Whoever you may be. No. <laughs> uh, it's probably just our wives <laughs> and our kids. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to just give you a quick introduction to Robert. Oh, I did want to ask this. When I approached you about doing the podcast... Yes. Um, what was, I guess, the one thing that stood out in your mind as to, if you were to say, this was why I wanted to be on this show, what was that? Well, uh, when we connected again, um, when we, when we had our, I'll call it a hiatus, Mm -hmm. um, you and I were meant to do, uh, life and ministry together. So we know that. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we had our hiatus, um, 
I was recovering from some, uh, I guess, some wounds and some hurts and, and things like that. Um, and you approached me about doing this podcast, and uh, there was a couple things going through my head. One was um, I wanted to uh, once again begin to do life with you and, mm-hmm. and hang out, and just this is what we do on a daily basis, anyways. We always talk. Uh, we'll spend hours on the phone with each other while yep. we're working. Um, Gets me in trouble so, all the time. Yeah, why not? Why not just put it out there? Yeah. And um, but uh, so I did want to reconnect with you and uh, establish that relationship again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited about that. Um, I also thought that uh, this uh, podcast could help us both. I think um, continue to recover and continue to. Uh, talk through some things and I think it's a great idea to uh, help others who may have been through similar issues. We we don't have a ton of ministry experience, but we both grew up in the church. We both have, well, your, your father was a, I'm a PK and you're a PGK. Yeah. yeah, My, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor and you know, my dad uh, raised us up Mm -hmm. in the church. So we, we both had that background. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've literally been in church all our lives. <laughs> for better or for worse. But uh, So there's, there's a lot of hurts and a lot of things I'm, that can happen. Absolutely. A lot of anger that can go on. Uh, absolutely. And so when I say I was recovering, I was I was pretty angry. Yeah. It was, so I, I thought that would this was a, a great idea. So yeah. if Which, it can help me, it can help others. Yeah. So it's a kind of a therapeutic thing for both of us. And absolutely. I, I think for all of the ones that are hosting the show, I think that's kind of a mindset we've come into this with is... This is a way for us to not only help others, but to help ourselves and to grow because effectively we can become a group of guys that are helping each other, holding each other accountable. Um, I know Brian's in Indiana. Michael's in the upstate of South Carolina. Jonathan's in North Carolina. We're here in Charleston. But it just goes to prove that you know when your connection is through Christ, that distance, miles, and, and locations, and, and whatever church you may belong to, right. that there is still that familial connection. That can happen. That's right. And and that's what we really want to foster. And we really want to foster just a, a growing compassion towards fellow believers and unbelievers alike. Um, so that's what we're called. The, the church. The yeah. uppercase church. Yeah. The, exactly. That's what we are. And that's what we're going to kind of kind of transitions us uh, right into uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is don't beat the sheep. So um, <laughs> I... I love this. I love the titles, by the way. I, I love the title too. I don't know where it came from, except that I was that you've beaten. You've beaten sheep. I have beaten sheep. Um, <laughs> we, I, I know it's no secret that over the years I've got or had a short fuse, and it's something that I'm working on yes. trying to develop now. The thing is, I'm an easygoing guy. I'm very extroverted and generally get along with people. But when I hit that moment, it's like I go from zero to 8,000 degrees in temperature in lickety-split. It's like a ray of light shoots out of the sun, and you just happen to be five feet away from the sun when it shoots right. out. So full disclosure, you know, I've, yeah. told, I've never said anything behind Brad's back that I wouldn't say to his face. And you know that. <laughs> To be a hundred percent true, don't that you? is true. But uh, we used to call him the Angry Elf. Yeah, Angry and, uh, Elf. We would actually call him Elf uh, more in response to his uh, 
his hatred of Santa Claus. No. That's true. <laughs> I, I, that could be another podcast, I think. True. We talk about. I'm just going to say that if you rearrange the letters, it spells Satan. So yes. uh, you can also tell him how uh, for uh, a couple of years I decorated your house. He did. The first time he did it, my daughter threw up on me. Yes. That was got great. Out of the car. I wish we had footage of that. I I literally. Built I wish you did too, because I I want to see chimney. what my face looked like. I literally I built a fake chimney on the top of your house you with did. the Grinch poking out of it. They broke into my house and <laughs> and did all kinds of things while I was gone for Thanksgiving and came back to um, forks in the yard and Caleb was tinsel. There. Caleb. Actually, Caleb helped me. Caleb probably was the one that went through the window. I was you? a terrible youth pastor, by the way. I would make my <laughs> make my kids do like all kinds of stuff. And, like that was one of them. Caleb's covering his face. He was the one that broke into my house. Um, <laughs> through the back window. It was like a small window over the sink. Um, I pushed him through that window. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we both um, ha- have had our moments of, of anger. Me probably more <laughs> more so than anybody. Um, and the thing is, is, is when you're when you're in the ministry, and you're in your mind, you're like, I'm working so hard to lead people, to equip people to teach people, and then when you get certain things thrown back in your face or people respond in certain ways, you feel like they're ungrateful, that they don't appreciate the things that you're doing, and you can get to a boiling point where suddenly well-meaning people may say something to you or come up to you or whatever, and then suddenly you explode. On yes, them, yes. So, I've had that happen countless times as a sound or as a worship leader. Uh, and if anybody's listening to this, that's a worship leader. You probably are going to relate to what I'm about to say. But in every church I've ever been a part of, sound. You're about to talk about sound. I know. Sound, <laughs> yeah. Sound volume has always been a complaint. It didn't matter how quiet it was or how loud it was. Somebody was always unhappy with the volume. And well, have you ever seen Jeff Dunham and the old man puppet? Yeah, yeah. Is that I'm, what you picture? I, I just pictured. I'm, I should leave that alone. <laughs> I hate the sound. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. No. Um, <laughs> just Which one? Kidding. <laughs> um, but there's always somebody, right, that's going to come up and they're going to say it's too loud or it's too quiet or um, can you adjust the sound so the S's aren't so harsh and mm. things like that. And it it's really frustrating because you're like. First of all, what experience do you have with a sound system? Second of all, don't you think I don't already know that certain problems are happening and that I'm probably already trying to work on these? So I have in the past, in the recent past, uh, I'll just put it that way, at our last church uh, a year and a half ago, it was January. um, Yeah, January of 2018. I had lost my job three months prior. My full-time job. I was part-time at my church. I'd lost my job. Um, All of my sound men left the church. And I hadn't been able to replace them yet. So so I was alone. And I'm trying. And all of a sudden, we started having, like, crazy sound problems, right? And I'm trying to fix them. And it was one Sunday, and we're having all these issues. And... And I recall that the pastor's wife came in and, and made a comment about it being loud. Which I was like, okay, I can deal with that. It's the pastor's wife, that's fine. But then two other people came in right behind her and began to echo in a different way, in a more annoying way, 
than her. And my response, bah, yeah, bah, it's bah. exactly right. There were like little parrots in the background going, meow, what she said, meow, little, little you know, meow, it's too loud, meow. And <laughs> I lost it. I straight up lost it. And I started yelling at them. I said, you know what? I'm back here by myself. If you think you got the skills to run this sound system, why don't you get your behind back here and actually run the sound? He probably actually did say that. I wasn't there, but I, I've, I've heard him. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, there were two older ladies in the church, uh, and, and I got chewed out uh, by the pastor later that day. You yelled at old ladies? Yeah. Ugh. Now, no I fried could, chicken for you, buddy. I could go and say, well, I was dealing with a lot. I had lost my job. I had all of these guys kind of abandon me to my ministry, and here I am trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I'm being told, fix the sound, but I'm like, I'm on stage. How do I fix the sound in the sound booth from the stage? <laughs> you know, I, I can't put my ears in the booth and my fingers in the booth and play the instruments at the same time. Just do it. Just do it, Brad. Figure it out. Um, so I lost it, and I could totally... Put it on those things and say I was justified, that I had just hit my boiling point with all the crazy things going on around me at that time. However, I haven't always had those types of things going on around me and have done the exact same thing to other people in the past. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think in it's it's not a violent way, but in a way, I was beating the sheep. They were church people. Honestly, they probably didn't mean anything malicious by it. You know, they had their personal perspectives about volume and sound. Right. And honestly, I just didn't have the patience for it. You know, this is, I really feel like this is a super hot topic since you're talking about sound. I bet you that you can go in any church at any time and there are sound issues. There's yeah. always going to be sound oh, issues. Yeah. Sound, uh, you've got the, the sound folks that, Set the sound and never touch it again. And oh yeah, that's that's not how you do sound. But then nope. you have people running the sound sometimes that know nothing about music. And, <laughs> but that's the only people you can get, and that's right. who you use. It's right. it's not a problem. But sure. so there's always going to be sound issues. Oh yeah, you know unless you've got thousands of dollars to pay for somebody to come in. So yeah, there's always going to be. And you're right because give I, the sound guys grace, guys. No. Yeah, please when the, when the, when it starts squealing, don't just look at the booth and go. Throw your hands up in the air and and Ooh. give them the why aren't you fixing this? Have, Trust me, have you ever out of had everybody that? in that yeah, out of everybody in the room, I guarantee you they're the first people to know that something's going wrong and they're probably panicking inside, going, "How do we fix this?" My favorite thing because I sit back on the drums is to watch like one of the singers <laughs> uh, maybe throw a fit or do their hands down by their side like uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh, and they're looking at the sound booth like, <laughs> but all the congregation is watching at the same time. And it's they, like, oh wow, this is what's going That's, on. And you're like, get the popcorn. Somebody's um, upset. <laughs> so beating the sheep is not recommended. Um, That's one example. I can give another example. There was one time at a rehearsal, and at the time we were a mobile church. We were meeting in a hotel, and you had offered up your garage as a space for us to practice. I did. I turned my garage into a a music studio. He did. And so we had all of our instruments set up there. It actually was a really neat thing because we ended up having kind of a ministry in your neighborhood. Yeah, I didn't live in the best place. We're not going to give that neighborhood name, but... Yeah, there was quite it, a few. It things was a that rough neighborhood. Yes. It was it. It wouldn't be something you'd take your kids walking through in the middle of the night. Yeah, there there have been shootings, or there, even after five p.m. There was a raid, a couple houses down. But hey, you know when you start a yeah. family, you don't have a ton of money. But I know that we had one night we were playing, 
And I think you said it was like the one of the ringleader drug guys in the neighborhood and his mom walk yes. up to listen to us play worship music in your garage. So uh, let's let's talk about that for just a second. And so sometimes we would close the garage door, but when it was nice outside, we would open the garage door and just play. And yeah. you know that uh, acoustic instruments like the drums and yeah. then an electric guitar, you'd always carry through the neighborhood. Yeah, and so. Uh, it would tend to get loud. So we've had the cops called on us uh, <laughs> a couple times, yeah. and they really didn't have any problems with it. You know, they yeah. they said, hey, turn it down. But um, one of the times, uh, and this would happen often, we've had people bring their lawn chairs and sit in my driveway, yeah. uh, which I don't live there anymore, but they would sit in that driveway and just listen uh, to our music. And, you know, it was just, it was all worship music. Yep. Uh, unless we were playing around, maybe we'd do some old '90s or a lot of Creed. Yeah, a lot of Creed. We did. Hey, Creed's a good band. <laughs> uh, anyways, so uh, one time this this guy walks up that I knew to be the uh, I don't want to say I don't know how to exactly say it, but almost like a kingpin. He was the guy that ran the drugs in the neighborhood, and. Uh, he was he was literally standing in the driveway weeping. Yeah, and he walked up and and just just a little bit, and then I just got off the drums and went and talked to him, and uh, he said, "I have never heard anything like that in my entire life," hmm. and I really think that he's he grew up in that neighborhood right there, and that yep. was all he knew, and I don't know how those things run and and sure. those circles run, but he had never heard anything like that. Um, and he, he said, I'll be right back. And he went and got his mom. Yeah. And they stood in the driveway for the the rest of our, our set or whatever we were practicing. Yeah. And uh, that, I can tell you that visibly, my neighborhood, the entire neighborhood, uh, continually got better. Mm-hmm. There were less and less and less of things happening, uh, which was amazing. Um. But since we've left, I, I have revisited that neighborhood, and I will tell you that it has gone down, kind of taken a little turn. Mm. That's unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, one of those nights, I mean, we had it happen several times. I mean, you had a neighbor across the street that came over and wanted to play with us, and like he was asking us to play songs, and he would sing. And we actually, uh, several of your neighbors started setting up chairs pretty regularly yeah. in your driveway to just listen. And uh, we found out a church got planted like down at the end of the road of your yeah. of your house. Yeah, they built a stage in the front yard. Yeah. They, they had just, a tent. They just started a church in their front yard. They heard worship music one night and was like, "Hey, let's build a church." Yeah, right here. it was so. crazy. Um, it was the weirdest thing. Things I never would have imagined would have happened um not doing something like that. i was like we're just doing rehearsal like but it turned into so much more than yeah. that but one of the nights in uh, december we were preparing for christmas music because you know when you're in the church and you hit december christmas music starts coming out and um, we were going through all the songs we had written kind of our own versions of, of right. christmas songs and we were doing one that i could swear we had done before but robert and the bassist swear we never played this song before <laughs> and we were I don't getting remember what song it was i don't either i think it was like angels we have heard on high or something like that and we were just blowing it like we were playing it and it just sounded terrible and i was getting frustrated and i was like come on guys we've played this song before and robert's like no we haven't and and deborah was like 
yeah, I'm with Robert on this one. We haven't played this song. And I was like, no, we've definitely. And they're like, no, yeah. And it just kind of kept going back and forth. And I felt my blood pressure going up and my ears turning red and getting hot. And so finally, I just grabbed the sheet music on my stand and I balled it up. And I said, fine, we just won't do it. And I threw it at Robert. Yes, he did. And I stormed out of the garage. <laughs> and I walked around in the front yard. And then I started going. That was stupid. He couldn't go anywhere because his car was blocked in. Yeah, I was blocked in, and all my stuff was in the garage. Keys, phone, all that. So I was like, oh, that was dumb. We should just close the garage and leave him out there. You should have. I I needed it because it was a cold night. And uh, so I walked back in, and I was like, I'm sorry. That was stupid. Can we move on? And we moved on. But, like... That that's just another moment where my anger, my I lost self control, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know how many worship leaders can say they threw something at their praise team. Thankfully, it was just a balled up piece of paper, <laughs> not like my guitar or a music stand. I saw a video today. I was watching these videos on a, a YouTube channel called Rocked, like R O C K E D, Rocked, mm. and it was uh, ten ten famous on stage meltdowns. Um, nice. by metal musicians. And one of them was this band called the Ataris. <laughs> and the drummer was so drunk and wasted that he was completely blowing the music. Well, the lead singer slash guitar player lost it. He turns around, he pulls his guitar off and throws it at the drummer. And the drummer kind of bails off stage. And when he's doing that, the lead singer goes over and starts grabbing the drums and throwing them at the drummer, like <laughs> chucking them at the drummer. Yes. And, every, and then he turns around, he's like, he goes, my drummer's beep, bleep, bleep. He goes, oh, goodness. we're going to finish the show, but we're doing it without him. And then they just turn around and they... Kept going. He picked his guitar up. <laughs> so thankfully, it was just a balled up piece of music and not my guitar or something that could have caused a lot more damage. But mm. yeah, um, I don't think you would have thrown your guitar. Yeah. Is there any any moments you lost your cool in ministry? I mean, I lost my cool. There was this guy that threw a piece of paper at me one time during youth during during uh, worship practice. Oh. No, <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Oh. I will say. Let me finish that. Uh, because we were in ministry together and I was, yes, I played drums, uh, for Brad under his, under worship, uh, the worship pastor, but I was also the youth pastor. So we were on staff together. Yep. And so we would, we would try our best to hash out, uh, any, anything that we had going on, yep. um, Privately, yeah, and sometimes it, it came out openly. But we like were throw balls at we were such good friends that we literally said anything to each other. Like when when we did hash it out, we got it out there. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um. But uh. So, ask me that question again. Is there any moments where you personally lost your cool in ministry? Beat the sheep. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say lost my cool. Yeah. And I want to be careful how I say this, but there was there was a time that I uh, w- was just going along with the things that I was told and, and not necessarily thinking for myself. Right. Um, and and so I I went at uh, let's say a, a couple that that were were in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, uh, I, I said all the right things. I spoke truth and there wasn't anything wrong with what I said necessarily. However, I didn't 
say it in love, but that was the tone that I was I was getting from the other side, yeah. like the not from them, but uh, I took the anger that was towards them uh, from that particular person, right, and kind of just relate it. Mm-hmm. And so what that ended up uh, resulting in was they left the church, mm-hmm. um, which was terrible because they were extremely good friends of my, me and my wife and my family. Right. Um, and, you know, I didn't agree with their argument, what they were having. I actually agreed with, with the husband on this one. And uh, it, it, it just turned into a thing where... Um, I guess I just didn't say it in love. Mm-hmm. And and so they took it as a beating. Right. Um and so that 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 has severely impacted like the way I view um or the way I speak to people. Yeah. Um because it, I mean they they did take a beating. I mean they took a beating from me. So yeah. um yeah, it resulted in we honestly haven't spoken in quite some time. Now I would love to and yeah. uh I I wish I had their information to get in contact with them, but I have no idea where they are. Yeah. Um, but I know that uh, that God is going to bring that back around. I really do. Sure. Um, because uh, they were some of my best friends. Right. And um, so yeah, I, I've I have uh, not necessarily been angry, but somebody wanted to beat the sheep, and I was like, I'll do it for you because yeah. I wanted to look good to them. Right. So that's that's what happened. I think, you know, there's a distinction that we've got to clarify, not in this particular particular situation, but, you know, sometimes correction can be interpreted as a beating by the sheep. Yes. But at the same time, there's a fine line where our correction can transition into a beating. right? Right. Like I can think about like when I have to discipline my children, if I take it too far, Right, mm-hmm. I can be in danger of, of of actually, you know, almost abusive versus just discipline and correction. Sure, I have um, a good example from today. Oh yeah, for you? Yes. So my wife likes to uh, paint furniture. She she sends me out. We'll mm-hmm. either buy it from like yard sales or like old furniture like that, uh, or find it on the side of the road. Who knows? Yep. But we will take it and redo it or repaint it. And so she's amazing at it. Right. And uh, she took uh, one of my very good paintbrushes. Uh, yeah, so I say very good, but I mean $30 on a paintbrush. That's not, pretty expensive. Not a cheap brush. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so she, uh, <laughs> I, I just called her this morning, and um, she had washed the brushes out to her best ability and hung them up. And it was actually two brushes that she used. Right. Um, and they were stiff as a board. Uh-oh. Like, they're... They were so dry that they were done. Like, I needed to throw that. So, I have $60 with the paintbrushes hanging on the wall that need to go in the trash now Oof. because <laughs> who knows how long. So, I just called I just called her Yeah, because I'm just a sweet husband. Yeah. And I called her. I said, hey, I'm not fussing at you. I just want to tell you what's going on. Um, when you use my paintbrushes, you didn't clean them out all the way. And she said, oh, I, I tried my hardest to wash those out and I just know that I washed them out and I know that they were good and that's I thought I did a good thing 
I said, well, you didn't. I said, but I'm not fussing at you. I'm just, and I would, I keep saying that. Yeah. And so the more I talked about it with her on the phone, the angrier I got. And so I'm like, all of a sudden at the end of the conversation, I'm like, well, you, you messed up two of my best brushes. Like <laughs> you're losing it. But I started out that I wasn't angry, but the more I talked about it with her on the phone and I just lost it. Yeah. It's, I, and, and I don't know if it's the case for you, but for me, uh, if I am not careful, if I don't watch my temperature gauge mm-hmm. and wisely choose a moment where I say, you know what, let's come back to that later. Say, so put it on and, the shelf. Yeah, and give myself <laughs> time to kind of walk away and let you know. I'm, I'm overheating. I need to. I need to shut the engine off for right. a moment yes. before I explode. And it's not because of them. It's just my. That's my weakness. And 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 I have to be careful. It's not their job to go, Brad. You're getting too angry. Bracket down. Because if they do that, I get more angry. Because I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes. Why do you think I'm getting angry? And then I start getting angry. And then they're like, okay. That's why. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that Short we... Short man syndrome. Uh, <laughs> except I'm almost six foot tall, so... I just say that, but my wife and I are taller than he is, so that's, that's that why we true. can say that. No. <laughs> Height is relative. You're not really short, but you're not taller than we are, That's so. true. I can, I'm that. above average, but I'm not as tall as the Platts. <laughs> um, and that's okay. They deserve each other because they're that tall. Um, they can... They're, Few couples I know that can look each other in the eye, and uh, hey, I will just say this: my wife's shorter than me. That girl loves some Robert. Yeah, that's for sure, <laughs> and that's a good thing because she's uh, she's got you for life. Um, you know, this is a Christian podcast, so obviously the Bible is something that is important to us to determine our worldview and how we will approach certain subjects. So, if we're talking about beating sheep or not beating sheep. The question becomes, does the Bible have something to say about that? Mm. And it does, actually. Get out of here. I know. This is so surprising that God, all-knowing, <laughs> put something out there. Um, but apparently back in the Old Testament, um, Israel had a problem with their leaders. All right. So if anybody hasn't made the connection... Um, the church in Israel, so Israel was effectively, it was a nation that God had set aside for himself, that they would become a priesthood to the nations. In other words, that they would be the bearers of truth, of the law, of all these things to the world. That was, if you read through the New the Old Testament, I about said the New Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, that was his plan. But Israel, in their stubbornness, arrogance, pride, whatever, felt this elitist attitude about themselves and they therefore shut out other nations and they did not become the spokesmen of God, if you will, or ambassadors of God to the other nations as he had intended them to be. As a result, a lot of their leaders who were in charge of overseeing them uh, led them into all sorts of bad decisions Mm. time and time and time again. And God finally has enough of it, and he addresses it through his prophet Ezekiel. Um, This is Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 11. I don't want to read all of it because it's a lot, but 
I'm going to read probably most of it. I may read all of it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel when I start reading it because you might get tired and fall asleep on me. Sure. That's page uh, 1,394. 1,394 if yeah. you have the Robert Platt Bible. That's it. Um, or uh, if you go to BibleGateway.com and put in Ezekiel chapter 34 verses oh. 1 through 11 and look up. I'm going to the NLT here. I like the NLT. Um, I also like the ESV. Um, and when I'm feeling extra holy, the KJV. Oh. Yeah. Because the words just sound holier when you read it from the KJV. True. You know. Truth. Truth. <laughs> so this is what God is saying, okay? This is literally the words of God through Ezekiel to what he is calling the shepherds of Israel. Or, um, uh, I, did, I, I meant to make this connection as well. So Israel was often referred to as the church as well. If you actually read it in the Old Testament, the word church shows up. Now, in the New Testament, the church is now what was birthed out of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the 12 disciples. Um, there's so many parallels between the 12 nations of Israel and the 12 disciples and Jesus and Adam and all these things. Um, so basically, the church is the new Israel, if you will, in the New Testament. So that's why this is still applicable, because what he is saying here to these people, it's, it's not so much about you know lording over people the law, but it's saying, look, God takes serious those who lead his sheep and, sure. and oversee his sheep. And that is something he's talking about the leaders of Israel, shepherds. And if you go to the New Testament, shepherd is a term that's used for pastors and leaders of the church frequently. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a, an acceptable connection to make that, you know, this is applicable to both shepherds of Israel and shepherds of the church. Um, and I say shepherds as a general term because I believe that it's not just pastors, but other church leaders. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, it is very clear that, that God gave to the church a plethora of leadership to help equip them and train them, which was uh, prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers, and uh, apostles. Yes. It's a fivefold ministry, not just the pastors. Um, but here is what God says through Ezekiel, and I want you to listen very can carefully. A, can, can we call it a high five ministry? The high five ministry? Yeah. I like that. We should call can it we that. Do that. Let's go start a church and we'll what? call it the high five. Oh, we man. just need four more guys and be like, high five. High five. That'll be the thing we do when we walk in the door. People are coming in, we're like, shh, shh. Um, So this is what it says. Then this message came to me from the Lord. This is Ezekiel saying that he hears these words from God, and it yep. says this Son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. And then it goes on to say, What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Mm. Shouldn't shepherds feed the sheep? Oh, you drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. Hmm. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So, my sheep have become scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and you left them to be attacked by every wild animal. Uh-oh. 
Ooh. Uh-oh. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and you left the sheep to starve. It's getting deep. This is getting really deep. It's getting deep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds oh. my enemies. Oh, oh. And I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock. Mm. And I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and the sheep will no longer be their prey. Ooh. There is so much to unpack right there. I'm sure as I'm reading those words, if you've ever been a member of a church and experienced any level of sheep beating, you're probably going, oh, I think I can relate. See, I thought you were going to read something different, though. I thought you were going to talk about when, <laughs> when, when Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Remember that? Yeah. And then beat my sheep. Like, yeah. I oh, think that's, that's what, what he said. Is that oh. then beat my sheep? Yeah. Do you love me, Peter? Uh, yes, Lord. Beat my sheep. Uh, what? No. That's not what that he said. That is not what he said. He said, feed my sheep. See, and, and, and Jesus connects those things because they would have been familiar with these stories and these prophecies. Yes. They're not stupid. Jesus was not stupid. Listen, and that was so deep. We got. I, I feel you like want to unpack that. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. Like I need to, I need to devotion on that for a good week and a half. Two Ezekiel weeks. thirty-four messed me up because as I was yeah. preparing for this podcast and I stumbled upon this and I read those words, one I got scared for my soul, right? Because I was like, oh gosh, if I'm a she- a shepherd who beats sheep, it said God said that He would make me an enemy. Yes. And that, so the last, the last, I mean, you can take all that right there, but I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. That, that means you weren't doing the best of jobs. I'm going to take that job from you. Yep. You just got fired. Yeah. And I'll do it myself. Yeah. Ooh. Exactly. It's kind of like an owner of a company coming in. And seeing all of his employees slacking off and not doing their job and neglecting the business, firing them all and saying, you know what? I could do this better myself. Right. Right. I th- well, man, the, the scariest part about that is like just when it said you will be his enemy. Yeah. That part, that's kind of made me get nervous. Sure. Now, I think it should. Yeah. I do believe, I do believe this with the firmness in my heart, that God is a, a God full of grace and forgiveness. Absolutely. Patience. It says he's long-suffering. So I don't think this is something that was a response to, you know, periodic beatings. If You know what I mean? Like, be the right. on purpose or accidental, right? Because sometimes beatings happen unintentionally. Sure. Like you lose control and, and you lose it. This, when he describes what they've been doing, it's it's like intentional abuse. They're they're intentionally neglecting the sheep. It says that the shepherds themselves were drinking the milk of the sheep, mm-hmm. wearing the wool of the sheep, eating them, butchering and eating the best of the sheep. Yeah. Not taking care of the sick and the injured sheep. That they were. Basically letting the sheep that wandered away just go. Just go. Which we could go all day on that one. Yeah. Oh, man. Personal experiences there, right? Um, 
and then basically just let them be scattered and become prey for wild animals. There is so there there is literally a hundred messages in that text right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know it's, it's amazing. So they were taking care of themselves. They were literally they were abusing the sheep for personal gain. They literally they had these sheep, but the, all they looked at them as was dollar signs, if you will. Right. They were like, oh, you know what? That sheep's good because he produces milk. It wasn't, that sheep is in my care because God gave them to me. It was, they produce milk. Milk is good. I like milk. I like cheese. I think I will Mm. take the milk from that sheep and make myself some cheese. And the wool, shearing the sheep. Think about that. Not just beating the sheep, but you're shearing the sheep. Shaving them. You're shaving them naked. Naked. You're exposing them. And then you wear it. You expose them and you then expose they wander them. off. They wander off and then you wear their wool in pride. Mm. Almost like a trophy. Like, look at this nice woolen coat I got off that sheep over there that I just exposed. <laughs> I'm going to have to repent here in a minute. Yeah. I'll we'll um, have to have some discussions after this because yes. i got a ton of stuff to talk about. Now. Yeah. Uh, and then butchering the best sheep. I mean, think about that. They had a feast at the expense of the best mm. of the sheep in them. This is intentional abuse, right? Right, right. Not all, not even most pastors are this guilty, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to even, I don't even want to make that suggestion, okay? However. It's a good eye-opener. It's a good eye-opener and it's a good warning because every church leader needs to look at this and see how serious God takes the care of his sheep. Because it is easy when you start seeing people walk in and all they are to you is a tithing member and dollar signs flash up because you know how much they tithe and you do things so that they don't leave because you want to make as much off of them as possible because you've grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle that you don't want to lose. Right. That's a dangerous place to be. And it's easy to get to. I mean, we see all these TV preachers, and I'm not going to go on this whole tangent against TV, no, TV preachers because that's not my intention. But, but you you can see how they can take those sheep. You know, you've seen them like the there's okay. There's an old Ray Stevens song. I'll just use this. There's an old Ray Stevens <laughs> oh, song. Does Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? <laughs> it is. Yes. Hilarious, because he starts talking about how he's watching this TV preacher, and the preacher's trying to get him to send in a thousand dollars, and he sees like this Rolex watch on his wrist and all these diamond rings on his fingers, and he's like, "Now would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show?" Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's just that the prey mentality. Because what's happened is it kind of is a, that whole sheep. Or wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing. Except in this case, it's a wolf in shepherd's clothing because they're preying on the sheep for their personal gain. Yeah. Instead of becoming caretakers of the sheep, they're utilizing them for their personal uh, expense. Yes. I don't know how to. I'm trying to figure that's, out the best way to word that, but that's, yeah, it's such a. <laughs> Such a deep topic that you could get in. There's so many rabbit trails that could go off of that. Yeah. Um, it's. We probably should stay with the. It's a good warning. Hey, don't do that. Yeah. You know, um, and it's a good uh, thought for like you and I. If what whatever we get into, absolutely. That's no, uh, That's what I'm saying. Is like it is a 
it's an easy trap to fall into. For sure. When you when you be when you start stop seeing your responsibility as caretakers of sheep and start seeing the sheep as as a way to take care of yourself. Right. That's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. We're I'm not made, talking about just a paycheck. Right. Or, or ministry. Right. That's how they survive, and they should be taken care of. Yeah. And well. Exactly. In and fact, the New Testament prosperous. talks about that. The, sure. You know, Paul not... mentions that quite frequently. He talks about you know how how they uh, a worker should be repaid for their wages or repaid for their absolutely. labor, um, and and pastors absolutely and church leaders need to be um, compensated for their time, their efforts, and their sacrifice because you absolutely. know they they go through a lot, and and that's why I'm not leaving it at just this episode, right? Of beating yes. the sheep because it's not just about that. There's also this problem of of sheep biting the shepherd. Absolutely. That I want to address too. Sheep do bite. Sheep do bite. They have teeth. There's a a video I saw one time. Maybe you've seen this video. It's a guy on a road like out in the middle of like the Middle East somewhere. And there's this guy kind of dressed up with like a turban. He's got a staff. Mm-hmm. He's in a robe. And he's got this flock of sheep behind him. And he's trying to get out of the road with the sheep so the car can go by. And this guy's got a dash cam going. And all of a sudden, one of these sheep gets a wild hair and headbutts the dude, the <laughs> shepherd, and knocks him to the ground. Right? Nice. Well, it doesn't stop there. That that sheep loses it and repeatedly headbutts the shepherd, like, in the face. <laughs> oh, man. And the guy driving the car is like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! Let me catch it on yeah. video. And the guy's trying to get up, and he's like kicking at the sheep, and the sheep just keeps boom, like knocking the shepherd down. And it's funny, but then at the same time, you're going, if you've served in the ministry, you're going, I can relate to that. Like right. I've been knocked down, and when I'm trying to get back up, that same stupid sheep <laughs> comes in, headbutts me square in the nose, and knocks me down again. Um, but today's episode is about the shepherd, not the sheep. Mm. We'll get to the sheep. Um, because it's important on both sides. It's 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 the uh, the whole makeup of the church is not about um, what what group of people rule over the others. Right. It's not. In fact, there's a New Testament scripture um, that Jesus. I have to go look up the exact reference. Um, but if you're listening to this, it goes something like this: Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he actually is pointing to a group of Gentile leaders. Um, like the Roman soldiers or something. And he's like, you see how they lord over people? And they, they, they rule oh, right, people right. basically with an iron fist. He's like, and he turns around, he looks at the disciples, he says, it will not be so with you. And then he says, if you want to be first in the kingdom, then you need to be last. If you seek any type of authority and, and whatnot in, in the kingdom of God, then you have to be a servant. And Jesus lays it out like, you're not going to act like that. Yes, he does. Because he's already warned. <laughs> yeah. You know, these words aren't just, and God was, the, or Jesus was there when these words were penned. Yeah. Because he was God. Um, there's another, anyway, I don't know if you wanted to un- unpack any of this, Ooh. but I mean, there's a, it's, I think it's, this is something good to put on the shelf though, because I, this is. Like I said, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And uh, 
hundred a hundred messages right here out of these eleven verses. Yeah, if any pastors are listening, right, you can uh, definitely. And you're doing any conferences coming up to other pastors? This might be sure. a good passage to preach from. I think there's actually a book that's been written called The Good Shepherd or something like that, ah. where this is the. Um, that's basically the, the focus of the of the book. Um, I'll have to look into that one, too. I'll put it on the Facebook page if you want to check that out. There it's Recovering go. Angry Christian yes. uh, at Facebook.com. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole lot here to unpack. But I wanted to read that because I wanted to give that picture. I wanted I wanted people, listeners, to hear that. And I wanted, I wanted especially the pastors and church leaders to hear how God responded. Because as a church leader, as somebody who's been in church ministry, who has been guilty of beating sheep, right? I need to be reminded of how serious God takes this. Because if I fall into the trap that these shepherds in this passage fell into, I'm in danger of becoming an enemy of God. I'm in danger of him taking away... Literally, it says he will take away the right to feed the flock. In other words, he's going to strip them of their authority, of their position, of their everything. Right. And then he says he's even going to strip them of their ability to feed themselves. Ooh. And I don't want to be in a position where I'm an enemy of God. Nope. I've got four kids and a wife. I don't need to be in a position where I am not able to feed myself. That's right. Or them. And, you know, I don't want to have... Basically, when he says, he, you know, he's going to take away the right to feed the flock, he, he's taking away their... Their reputation, their influence, their sphere of of influence. You know, I don't want to lose that. Not because I think I have a big sphere of influence, but at the same time... Still don't want to lose that ability. Yeah, I don't want to lose the respect of those around me, if anybody respects me. If you don't respect me... Don't tell me. Um, I respect Just you. let me think you do. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I sleep better at night when <laughs> I think you do. Um, but, I mean, it's just a heavy passage. I would encourage you guys to go read this. It's Ezekiel 34, 1 through 11. This is not the only time Jesus said this, or God said this. In fact, in Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4, he says almost the exact same thing in Jeremiah. Yeah. These are two different prophets. At two different times in the history of Israel. So clearly these shepherds, not getting the hint. Usually, usually if God uh, says something twice. Yeah. Or three times. Or right. just repeats it. You should probably listen. <laughs> I think that's how it goes, right? If he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, <laughs> um, you should listen. Uh, Acts twenty twenty eight. It's another warning. This time it's from Paul. Yep. But it echoes what God was saying in Ezekiel. It says this, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. He basically summarizes up that warning that God gave to the shepherds by saying, Look, these sheep cost me everything. That's right. And I was going to say that earlier, and I'm glad you brought this uh, verse up, is sometimes we get into this, I don't even know what to call it, but I guess when you think you're better than... Elitism. Yeah, elitism. That's the word. Yep. Um, You know, God, or or, excuse me, Jesus died for everybody. So Mm -hmm. the people that we see on the street that we may not necessarily give a thought to, uh, or the... 
you may think you look good and someone else is ugly. Guess what? It's true, though. Well, I mean, yes, look at me. I think you're ugly. No. Oh. <laughs> um, but Jesus died for all. All. We can put a period there. Yep. Uh, and, and so you, you have to begin to get that mentality mm-hmm. that Jesus loves me. Yep. And he loves that person that I may not necessarily care for. Yeah. And th- there has been a time, and I, I guess I can bring this up. I won't. I won't tell the details, but sure. Uh, you know, I may have said something about somebody, or that was that was wrong, or it may have been true, but there was no reason for me to throw them under the bus like that. And and I literally heard the Holy Spirit say to me, who are you to mess with one of my kids? Yeah. And that was a a quick wake up. Like, wow, I'm, yeah, I just said something about one of you. I'm your child, but I just said something about someone else you care exactly the same for. Yep. So who am I? Who am I? Yeah, I've definitely been guilty of that. (laughs) I don't know if it was an audible voice, but it was definitely a prick in the heart later. And I was going, man, that was such a jerk move. Right. Right. Why did I? Uh, you don't feel good after. I don't feel good about this. Why do I suck? And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's so, uh, he has such a way of, of putting things into your, your heart and your mind when you've crossed the line. That you just want to crawl up in a corner and just go, okay, I suck at life. Several times. Please don't hurt me. Yes. I can remember when I was 19 years old, I had been saved up to that point since I was seven, right? Mm-hmm. And I completely abandoned my faith and was like, I'm going to live like a hellion and I don't even care. I'm just going to like run like a bat out of hell, literally. Like I'm like, ah! And one night I just, I went stupid and, but I I engaged in an activity that should be reserved for marriage. Mm. And it wasn't even so much that act as at the time to make matters worse. I was wearing a true love weights ring around my neck on a necklace. And if anybody knows what that is, that's a huge nineties thing where you were like, I'm promised to be celibate until I'm married. And, um, I hid the ring so that the girl wouldn't see it. Oh, no. I intentionally was like, I'm going to remove this symbol of my purity and my commitment to God to be pure so that I don't feel conviction or this girl sees something and goes, ooh, right? What is that? So we, we have to explain it. Right. So all, all told, the act happened. And I kid you not, it was within seconds. Within conviction. Seconds. Conviction hit me so hard because I was already drunk. I had been drinking the whole night. Mm. I have not sobered up so fast in my life. I shot up out of that bed and I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh. And she was like, what? And I was like, I need to leave, right? I got to go. I just have to go. And she was like, I don't understand. I was like, I messed up. I've got to go. And it was like two in the morning. And I was all the way on the other side of town from where I lived. And we lived next to a church because my dad was a pastor. We lived in a parsonage because that's what Baptists do. Mm-hmm. And I drove all the way back. I didn't go to my house, though. I drove to the church parking lot. Because something happened back at that other house where I, I literally, it was like somebody grabbed my heart 
and started to squeeze it. It was like, and I was like, oh, I'm going to die. I drove to the parking lot. I got out of my car and I looked up at the steeple and I started bawling my eyes out. And this is the words I said. This is, it wasn't much, but all I said was this, God, don't kill me. (laughs) Yeah. God, don't kill me. Please, God, don't kill me. And then I cried for like an hour and said, God, don't kill me for like an hour. (laughs) And then I felt like God just leaned in and he whispered, son, I forgive you. That's it. Get up and clean yourself off. Go home. Go to bed. And I did. I went home. I got in bed. And that next morning I made the decision that I needed to move away and, and come to Charleston and go to another place and try to get away from all of the stupid things and influences that were around me right. and start new. And I did. And within six months, I was called into the ministry. Like, what the crap? Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I remember that. I remember that night almost detail for detail as though it's happening. Every moment is happening real time. Um, but that's just, that's the power of the conviction of God. And when I read the words of Ezekiel 34, and I start thinking about maybe my own actions. It, I almost get to that place where I'm like, God, don't kill me. God, right. God, don't kill me, please. And I know, I know we are not under the law as far as, as Christians. We have been set free from the punishment of the law. There's a healthy fear. There is a healthy fear because he is still God. He is still sovereign. And he is still capable of wiping me off the face of this planet. Right. Nothing has changed. No. He is still very much serious about his his sheep Absolutely. as he was in the Old Testament as he is now. And so uh, all of that to say that just you know when when that conviction hits you right it's a terrifying moment. It is. It's good though. It is good because he convicts the ones he loves. He does. And that's what he says. He chastises or disciplines the ones that he loves. Now, we saw the warning. We saw what God's response was, but I, I don't want to leave it on a negative note. I want to talk about what, what it is that God is looking for in a shepherd, in a, in a leader of a church, you know, because I think it's important that, okay, if this is not what he's looking for, he doesn't want somebody who's going to beat the sheep. (laughs) What is he looking for? Right. And in Timothy and in Titus and other areas, um, Paul is laying out for us, what it is that God considers a qualified elder. And all of these things are characteristics. Like these are character traits. That's right. These are not, these are not degrees. These are not um, diplomas. These are not what school you went to. These are character traits, which just tells me more about what God truly values. Correct. And this is what it says. An elder must live a blameless life. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect, right? Right. Blameless is not perfect. It just means that you are literally trying to live above reproach. In other words, that you are doing everything you can to live rightly and and be in a way, live in such a way that people cannot look at you and say, this is characteristic of him. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Um, it says he must be faithful to his wife. Good on that one. Good. Good, good. on that one. His children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. <laughs> well, I was good until my fourth kid, and then <laughs> yeah. uh, he ruined everything. Uh, and then it says a church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. And in t- uh, Timothy, it says that he must manage his own house well. 
That's right. Um, first. Is, yes. First. Yeah, if you can't manage your home, why are you, why do you expect to manage God's home? Right. Yikes. Um, and then I it says... Know, I do know folks that, that manage church. That's true. But... Aren't so great at the managing the home. Yeah. I've been guilty of that. Agreed. Um, then it says, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. Uh-oh. Okay, so I failed already right there. Um, this is one of the main reasons I started this entire must podcast. An angry Christian, <laughs> yeah, not just that, but the arrogance. There was a time, probably in the last few years, where I thought, "Man, I've got the answers. I clearly have a revelation of Scripture that other people just do not have." Right. And their problem is they're just not as brilliant as I am. So therefore, I must uh, tell them how stupid they are and reveal how smart Engage. I am. Right. You're engaging. And I called it cultural engagement, but what it really was was me. Um, being a clanging symbol in First Corinthians thirteen. I was yeah. a clanging symbol. We can talk about that in another episode. I that's, think that's gonna, that could be a fun one. That is going to be a good one. First uh, Corinthians thirteen. If anybody wants to know, that is the love chapter. Mm-hmm. Tells us what love is. Uh, so quick tempered uh, cannot be quick tempered or arrogant. Which I that's why I started this. I was arrogant and quick tempered, and I think I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process, right? And I think in all these cases, it's it's not so much that we're perfect in each of these at all times, but that we right. recognize our weaknesses and we're working toward bettering ourselves in these areas. Right. Then it says, you must not be a heavy drinker. Um, oh, dang it. Um, he said a heavy, heavy drinker. <laughs> um, must not be violent. See, and this is where it comes back to like the sheep beating, right? Right. Because if you're a sheep beater... You're acting violently, and I want to make it also clear that sheep beating is not necessarily a physical act. can be, and we've seen several instances in the news where that has been the case. Right. Unfortunately. Sexual abuse. Oh, yes. Physical abuse. But it's also verbal abuse. It's spiritual abuse. It's being deceiving towards the sheep to get them to do something that you want them to do. Right. That's that's abuse, too. That's still beating the sheep. It just doesn't look like you're picking up a rod. Um, I wrote a blog article leading into this, and I said that my rod of choice was my tongue. Yep. And I like to tongue lash people. Well, I will be honest with you. I, I'm i a big guy, and uh, I I didn't ever think that the, the mental abuse could... Uh, be a thing. It could not. It, that's that's not a thing. You know, the words will never hurt me, or, or <laughs> sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you me. You know, I would, I would. At this point in my life, I honestly would rather a physical beating than the mental beating. Yeah. Uh, because of the the low that I actually hit, um, it, it was not because of, of physicality. It was it was all mental, mm-hmm. and I just. Uh, it's one of the things that I was working out of yeah. uh, and, and recovering from is the, the mental anguish and abuse. And, yeah. and the, it's, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. It's so nasty. It is. Uh, it's hard to recover from, too, because it's, it's always there. Yes. It's, it's something un- that, like, un- unlike a physical beating where the bruises eventually disappear. Yes. That mental abuse. It's hard to get rid of. It, it stays there because you relive it. It's a memory. It's literally implanted in your brain. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> totally get it. Um, or dishonest with money. He cannot be dishonest with money. 
right. What does so that mean? It means he's not wearing a Rolex on his television show. Oh. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, here's a fun one. He must enjoy having guests in his home. Say that again. <laughs> he must enjoy <laughs> having guests in his home. Mm. In other words, he's hospitable. He he invites people into his home. Uh. Uh, must love what is good, which I think makes sense. He must live wisely and be just. In other words, he acts justly. He doesn't do things right. out of personal gain. He does it because it's the right thing to do. Sure. Uh, must live a devout and disciplined life. So being yeah. committed to yeah. the Christian life, um, God's word. Those things that, again, is not a perfection thing. No. You know, I can be no, disciplined and there be moments where I'm not as disciplined as I was before. It's and a then good I, thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that nothing here is trying to imply perfection. No, no. But a pursuit. Absolutely. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Okay. And what that means is that, you know, the gospel that's been handed to us, um, he must believe it. Like, he can't be a guy who's preaching but doesn't actually believe what he's saying. Right. Right. Uh, And and says that the reason is because then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. (laughs) Um, There's another part, and I don't know if it's in Titus. I think it's in Titus. Um, And it's not in this particular passage. But it also goes on to say that... Actually, let me just see. Wait, I've always wanted to say this. If you have it, raise your hand and say amen. If not, you'll never get there. It's uh, <laughs> uh, horrible. Um, I can't find it. Uh oh. Need to look in the uh, concordance. Yeah. See if you can figure it. Basically, um, he goes on to say that a, a church leader should be respected by even the unbelieving community. Oh yes, he should have a thought well of it says right. with the unbelievers. Right. Yeah, and it's it's how do you do that? Well, you don't call them names or mock mm. them for start. Provoke them to anger. Provoke, yeah, provoke them to that. wrath. Which I've, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. You know, and that's you know we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but we we used to go out and stand at the abortion clinic. You know. Yes, yes. And I think we went with the right motive. Absolutely. Right heart. But you we and I people, both we love babies. You and I both were in danger of going to prison several times because of our mouth. That is correct. Because we would lose our temper and we would just we would get snotty with the cop and we would <laughs> we would get snotty yes. with the people going in there <laughs> and we would get snotty with the Catholics who were standing with us and yeah. um I just knew that I wasn't really displaying a great reputation. I mean, no, it wasn't because of where we were at or why we were there. It was because of how we conducted ourselves. Yeah, you. well, you're touching back on the the clanging symbol. Yeah, back to 1 yeah. First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, um, 1 Corinthians. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. so the passion was there. The, the, the love for the people was there. Um, we we just didn't. I mean, I feel like maybe we didn't go about it the right saw, way all the time. I think time. we saw them as enemies. I mean, I literally told the police officer that I'd like to report a murder. Yeah, I remember uh, that. She didn't take that too well, but yeah, I remember she tried to 
she got mad because I kept putting my hands in my pockets. And I told her, I said, what you suspicious of, ma'am? Are you scared that this Christian here's got something in his pockets? Uh, yeah. That, you know, the, that was taunting that did it not was. It was unnecessary, and it was it was dumb. I think so. Not because I, I don't think I would be unwilling to go to prison for my faith, but not for something like that. Not well, because I'm stupid and I'm just telling a cop to stick it. Well, I also get there. You know, there, there's a place for that at some point. You know, if if I see you standing in the middle of the road, and True. I see a, a a huge truck coming, you don't want me to die. Yeah, I don't want you to die. I don't want. I don't want you to get hurt. I do love you, and you know, I might. Hey, stop that! No. Yeah. You know, move. Get out of the road. So yeah. I understand that. Uh, however. Uh, you always have to be in constant uh, check of yourself. You have to you have to check yourself mm-hmm. uh, to make sure the uh, the attitude that you go there with, or, or whatever you're doing, in any instance, you know, you have to have to love. Do have to love. In fact, Paul in First Corinthians thirteen goes on to say that without the love, that you're literally wasting your time. Right. And you. Here's the thing: is is if it is love, if it isn't love, you can see the fruit. Sure. You'll be able to see the fruit. And, you know, what What we were doing necessarily at that time, uh, we didn't see much fruit out of that, or it wasn't even good fruit. If, yeah, if there was any. Yeah, you, so. And I can say, I think that I've, I've begun to see, as I've been going down this road, on this journey, out of being the angry, arrogant Christian that I was, and moving more towards a loving, compassionate Christian. At least that's my goal. That's my aim. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm right. saying that's my goal. That's my aim. I have noticed a radical difference in how my unbelieving friends respond to me now. Right. Like they're engaging with me in ways they wouldn't before because my behavior, my words, my approach immediately threw walls up. Right. They would go, no, nope, you're that guy. Well, where they, they would wanted, throw it up. Where they wanted to talk to you. They liked yeah. me as a person, but as soon as I started doing that, they were like, nope. Right. You know, they didn't even come to you wanting to fight. You just. I'd find the fight. Yeah. You'd, you'd pick one. I got fired from a large company after 10 years of employment because I went and looked for a fight. Yep. I remember that. I mean, Actually, we weren't talking at that time. No. I don't think we were. No. I just, uh, for some reason, I found out. I don't, I don't remember how I found out, but... I'm sure it was on the news and everything. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. just kidding. Sure it wasn't on the news. You I, lost your I job. actually did make it to Reddit, I found out. Oh. There was a huge red Reddit thread going about me and that thing. Because that, I mean, I I was just, I was just a jerk, and, and I did. I, I, I lost my job because I, I sought out fights. I ran to... I didn't... It wasn't even a fight from me. It wasn't even a fight that I was invited to. It wasn't even a fight that needed fought. Right. I saw something and I thought, ooh, here's an opportunity to look like a jerk. You and just wanted to poke the bear. Yeah, I did. Sure. And it resulted in losing a serious career. Yep. It put my family in a massive hardship for nine months. Well, there you go. You go back to our Ezekiel scripture. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Now, here's the crazy Despite that, and the and what I believe was was disciplinary inaction on God's part, 
In that moment of discipline, my family didn't starve. Our bills got paid. Our house and our cars remained in our possession. That's right. So even in his discipline and correction of me, he still showed me grace and love and took care of me. That's right. And took care of my kids and took care of my wife. I didn't deserve it. What I did deserve was probably to lose this house and my cars and for my wife and my kids to look at me and go, you're such a jerk. We don't even want to be around you and go move in with her family. As do we all. That's what I deserved. But as God is so famous for, he doesn't just dish out what we deserve when we think we should be given it. That's the whole reason Jesus came. That's the crux of the gospel. That's what grace is. Grace is not giving you what you deserve and giving you what you don't deserve. Such a nice thing. It is. Because if I got what I deserved, we would not be sitting here talking probably right, right now. Well, we all deserve death. That's what we deserve. That's true. That's what Romans tells us. That's it. That we have all fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. So losing things, you know, that's that's terrible. Yeah. It sucks at the time. It sucked. What we deserve is just really death. It sucked a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I'm just, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad for it. And, and honestly, I, I keep coming back to this, but you know, that, that really is why this podcast exists. Because I don't want people to go down the same road I went down. If they can, you know, we've heard from you know, one of our previous pastors, and it's a true statement, but if, if I can spare people the heartache by hanging out there for you my failures and weaknesses so that you will learn from them so that you don't have to experience them yourself. Right. Yep. Then yeah. it's worth it all. You know? And I think it's a true statement no matter where things are at there but yeah. I, I think it's a true statement. And It's a good thing to and, learn from others' mistakes. Yeah. And, and I want to do that. I want to I'm trying to learn from my own mistakes <laughs> and I'm hoping others are learning. I hope my kids are learning. I don't want my kids to grow up and go down the same path as I went down. My four-year-old, or my four-year-old, my three-and-a-half-year-old is in danger because he's a lot like me. Uh, and So hang around. There's a lot to learn from us. So yeah, we've made a lot of mistakes. We, so. we probably set him up for that, though, by calling him Declan Gunner because his name literally means warrior. Yes. Um, so we kind of put the fight in him from the get-go. That's, well... Yeah, they're arrows. So. Yeah, which we wanted to name them a strong name. That's it. And well, we, you deal with that now, but they're yeah. going to be, you know, your your headstrong children. God knows I have four, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're going to be mighty men, mighty, yep. mighty women. So that's that's our that's our prayers that they will become leaders. Whatever and, we've messed up, they can. I hope they'll take this passage. If you know they're looking to be leaders in the church, that that they could in the future listen back on something like this discussion and go, our daddies were, were trying to help us. Or at least try. We're trying. Yes. Everything possible. Well, I think we have uh, beat that sheep to death. Yes. Um, normally they say beat that horse to death, but right. um, in this case we beat the sheep to death tonight. Um, there's a lot to chew on. Again, let me just recommend... Go back, check out Ezekiel chapter 34. The first 11 verses will really mess your world up. <laughs> um, 
Go look at the qualifications of, of an elder and a leader in the church. Go look at 1 Corinthians 13 and see what love is about. All these things, they're important, they're necessary, they're often overlooked. We speak of them, but we don't really live them. Right. And and it's just it's something I want to challenge you guys as our listeners just to, you know, don't just take our word for it. Go read these things. Let the, the Holy Spirit speak to you through His words, not just ours. You know, that's why we bring the scripture on here. It's because it's not just about our opinion. It's about what God has to say about this. Because if it's just our opinion, man, everybody's got this. It's like belly buttons. Everybody has one and they got lint. That's the Christian version. That is the Christian yep. version. I'll tell you what my soccer coach used to say. No, don't uh, tell us. No, don't want to tell you. Um, anyway, I really appreciate you guys uh, hanging out there with us. Yeah, um, thanks for listening. And I, I appreciate Robert being able to be here. I especially appreciate Caleb Alexander for Caleb. magically appearing in the room and uh, spending his time listening in- to to was, me and Robert was, rant for an hour and a half. But yeah, probably Snapchat. Probably was Snapchatting the whole time behind our heads. That's cool. We can deal with that. Um, I do want to, again, encourage you to go out to our Facebook page. There you're going to find all the updates of our podcasts, blog articles, um, daily um, Bible verses. Um, just, you know, we also post articles of things that we find interesting and that may relate to um, just this particular journey. Uh, go out to our t-shirt store at teespring.com, T-E-E-Spring.com. Look up the Angry Christian Podcast merch and you will find our t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. What? What? Uh, part two of, the, of this discussion is going to be coming soon. Don't bite the shepherd. So if you think that that uh, the sheep are getting off scot-free in this discussion, That's right. you are Here wrong. We, we get to talk about what happens when sheep bite the shepherd. Um, <laughs> go out to the blog, eagerfortruth.com. You're going to find lots of great content there. Got several guys writing for that. I might even have to bring Robert into that if he wants to be a writer. Um, we can open up. I, I've... I've always had a dream for eagerfortruth.com to be like almost like a publication website where there's several content writers who just all come and bring their own perspective. That's why I do the podcast the way we're doing. If it was just me, I think people would get bored. You know, I want perspectives of people I, I love and trust and respect. So, and not just hear myself. Um, also, I like to you. you like you? Want, I like listening to you. It's, yeah, I appreciate nice. that. On occasion. On occasion. Uh, I, I did want to throw this out as we are closing up here, though. If you have any topics that you would like to hear us discuss, please hit us up on the Facebook page or even our blog. We'll add it to our list of topics to consider. Um, some of the topics that we're actually looking at potentially doing down the road, uh, misplaced anger. Ooh. Yeah. Um, angry bosses or, like, angry workplace, right? Um, angry church people, which we're going to do with the don't bite the sheep. <laughs> uh, Jonathan actually recommended <laughs> doing technology rage. Oh. Uh, so anybody who has problems when they get mad at their computer and want to throw it across the room. Well, I thought that was like a, a genre of music. Yeah. Tech rage. Like. Yeah. Um, also talking about potentially doing a podcast on um, angry parents, angry parenting. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I might have something to say about that. Yeah, me too. I, I had a moment. Um, <laughs> and then another particular one is uh, angry music. Not so much like bashing the music, but kind of talking about how music maybe can be used as an outlet for our anger. 
That's old school. That's Mr. Rogers stuff right, right? there. Won't you be my neighbor? Bang on that piano. Get that anger out. Watch out. I might pull out my zip-up <laughs> vest and throw my shoe across the room and and invite you into uh, yes, that man make-believe land. <laughs> he did. He changed my life. We actually have a trolley here in the room. We're going to... Ding, ding. do 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 <laughs> Oh, you know what? We're going to have to play the theme now. Yeah, so I'm going to Jonathan, take... cue the theme and go. I'm going to take my shoes off, switch those to a Loper. similar shoe. <laughs> and invite Mr. McFeely in for a bite to eat Ooh. as we feed the fish. There you go. And build things with blocks. And then play with puppets. Always puppets. Yes. Creepy little puppets. King Friday was the creepiest. No, Lady Elaine. Oh, and our next podcast could be... Uh, Creepy Mr. Rogers. Puppet Ministry. <laughs> Yes uh, or no? <laughs> no offense to those I know that have a passion for puppet ministry, because I do know some. Listen, I've been in it. I, I get it. <laughs> I have, too. They're creepy, too. Um, anyway, we appreciate you guys. We love you. And, of course, as we always encourage you, don't be angry. I want to say a big thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Michael Ledford, Brian Baldwin, and Robert Platt for taking this journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for the use of his song, Angry Dance, which is featured as the opening song to this podcast. All other production and music was created by the Angry Christian Podcast team. And finally, our biggest thanks goes out to you, our listeners, for without you, this podcast would not be possible. God bless.